1: Welcome to the Everyday Mindfulness Show, the -the off-the-cuff exploration of everyday aha moments and life experiences. Join a cast of over 70 uniquely brilliant individuals. Each week, Mike Domish and an eclectic mix of cast members and special guests will engage in mindful and lively conversations about everything from meditation to spirituality to personal passions to successes and failures to relationships to the stuff that makes up the moments of our daily lives. Let's get started with your host, author, speaker, provocateur, and a bit of a goofball, Mike Domish.
2: Hello, I'm your host, Mike Domish, and thrilled to be here with our cast from the Everyday Mindfulness Show. This week's cast includes Barry Moniac, Darren Tipton, and Rick Clements. Of course you can learn all about each of them and check out our brilliant cast at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. Today, we're going to start off like we often do with a quote, and this one, and, and let's, you'll notice as you listen to the show sometimes, there'll be a similar book, because I'll be inspired by reading that, and that'll lead to a few discussions, and this one we've discussed before, but it's such a powerful book that has so much to it, you could do a year on this book. Of course, we're only doing a couple episodes, but we're going to jump right into it. The book is Shambhala, The Sacred Path of the Warrior, and so that is the book we are discussing, and the quote is the following from the book. To be a warrior is to learn to be genuine in every moment of your life. Realize that you do not possess basic goodness, but that you are the basic goodness itself. Training yourself to be a warrior is learning to rest in basic goodness, to rest in a complete state of simplicity. In the Buddhist tradition, that state of being is called egolessness. Now, Rick Whenever I discuss that book, and even myself when I read Shambhala's Sacred Path of War, Warrior, I love the book, but I struggled with the word warrior, really struggled with it at times. Like, geez, I don't know if I like the connotation there. Why do you think so many people struggle with the idea of being a warrior?
3: Well, I think it's, it's just conditioning. It's, it's We have this, this ideal that what words are, they suddenly become truth. And if we don't look at the multidimensions of the words – then we can get really caught up in it. So, for instance, when we're born, if if we see something out in a field and it's tall and it's got little spindly things, you know, kind of reaching out from it and it's got some other stuff kind of hanging off from it, that's all we know that it is. We don't really know what it is until somebody says, oh, that's a tree. And so then from that point forward, a tree is always a tree because a tree will always look this way. So suddenly here we are in this realm talking about what a warrior looks like I think for most people the first thing that we associate with a warrior is somebody who fights, somebody that goes to battle, somebody who has a a driving manifest to win and never lose. And I think this is where people get caught up in these constructs of oh this is what a war it means to be a warrior when there's so many multiple dimensions to what being a warrior really is.
2: Yeah, and and that is the struggle that I don't want to be thinking of from this place of simplicity and I have to conquer Right. And so that's that, that contradiction that occurs because society has said warriors conquer. They conquer. And so it's being able to pause back and go, Could a warrior mean something different? So for all of us, as we're having this discussion for the three of you, what is how did you take that? How does what does warrior mean to you? How does it show in your life? How did you make it feel positive without about conquering your success?
4: Well, I I never had a negative connotation to it. Because early in my spiritual metaphysical studies, there was a difference between a fighter, a conqueror, and a warrior. So the, the concept of a warrior, and, and I think one of the things that we have working against us is a lot of these books that are written are written by current day minds trying their darndest to interpret what happened hundreds or thousands of years ago. And sometimes I think they get that more accurate and sometimes it's their own interpretation. But from me reading in, in as old of the, the, the scripts and texts as I could find, the warrior consciousness was a way of showing up, a way of being, not, not a doingness. The, the, the fighter, the conqueror is the doing. The warrior is how am I going about doing it? Am I doing the mm-hmm. best job possible? As I, am I as impeccable as possible? Am I meeting my commitments Am I doing the things that I really don't want to do, but I know they have to be done, so darn it, I'm going to show up and, and, and do this. That, to me, was the warrior consciousness, so it was part of my spiritual path to be a spiritual warrior.
2: So is there is there a catch there, though, where by saying I'm striving to be a warrior, my ego is attached to this title versus being present in the moment?
4: Well, it sounds to me like when you say the word warrior – that that means some kind of interaction, altercation with someone else. When I say the word warrior, it has nothing to do with anybody else. It's Mm. just me.
2: No, no, and I'm agreeing with that. I'm saying that if I just look myself in the mirror and go, I want to see myself as a warrior, and I'm saying even in that place where it's not about conquering and confrontation, by seeking to be a word, a title, a tag of some, is that taking away from being present, right? I'm focusing on being this thing, Instead of just being present, is there that possibility that, that it can be misinterpreted? How do you avoid that?
4: It, it almost sounds like, like the intellect is getting in there and trying to interpret something because the, the internal statement of the warrior in my mind would be Am I doing the best possible with whatever it is that's in front of me? You know, impeccability is, is a good word, higher consciousness. That kind of a thinking that is the warrior consciousness to question ourselves how am I doing? Can I do it any
0: better? Can I go back to your original question, Mike? Because I think I had a a thought about this. And as Mike and as Rick and Barry have been talking, we think of the word warrior. I think all of you said it it's to do something, to defend something, to be an aggressor, to conquer. I think those things have been mentioned, but I love this idea that it's being and not doing and so when we think of warrior it really is a deconstruction well or a reconstruction rather of what it means to be genuine to live simplistically Um, this idea that ego has so much to do with even the idea of warrior but to be egoless it's almost the opposite of what you would think than someone being in battle it's it's to be present it's to be in a mindset so I like what, what Barry's saying is that it's very much about this presence, this approach, this idea of being over doing.
2: Well, what's interesting about it is if you visualize it, what we're describing as the warrior, if you visualize that, most people would visualize a Buddhist monk by all the descriptions we're giving, the egolessness, the to be present in the moment, that, that that's what they would picture. They would, and that's where this I think is interesting and fun to discuss. And when they picture a warrior, it's this shielded up. And yet the opposite of the warrior, right? The warrior doesn't need shields. They're vulnerable. They're willing to be who they are. And so the greatest warrior needs no shield because they can just be vulnerable. That doesn't mean they don't need shield because they can't be hurt. It's because they're open to the world. They don't want a shield. They want direct connection. Would that be true then?
4: I, I would think so. And and I think this, this term egolessness, that, that's one of those elusive Things mm-hmm. Because it takes a pretty formidable, mature, sophisticated ego to be egoless. I, I think people, you know, intelligent people could debate that for, you know, hours on end. I remember watching when I was a kid growing up, the TV show Kung Fu, Grasshopper, Kwai oh, Chang yeah. King. Oh, yeah, 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 David Carradine. And he mm-hmm. went through all those, you know, trainings and ordeals growing up. And when he finally was able to carry the cauldron from one end of the room to the other over the rice paper without leaving a step, he had graduated. And in his mind, he thought, oh, now I get to shave my head and have the the orange robe and be one of the, you know, the cool guys. And they went, no, now you have to go out into the world and find out what all this training means. And so he goes out there and every show he would bow and and make that statement. I think it was something like, I'm Kwai Chang Kane. How can I be of service? what we knew is he could probably wipe out 10 men before they even knew what hit him, but he could also heal people. So he had his tools. What he didn't know is who are you and what do you need? And, and can I truly be of service to that? To me, that was the mindset of learning the path of the warrior. I can do things. I can make a difference. How can I best be of service?
2: I love it. And what I love about that is how can I be of service, and at the same time that egolessness. I want to go back to what you said there. I do think you're right. I think that can, on an intellectual level, become difficult to grasp and say that's truly present, because the person will say, "Well, I'm egolessness." Well, is that ego speaking? Right. So, exactly. so there's this weird, you know, I've gotten to a place of egolessness. Well, that sounds rather egotistical, actually. So, you know, that's this is weird thing versus striving to be aware of ego. I think that's a different discussion. It is: do, do they really mean that egolessness is whether it's obtainable or not? To strive to be aware of ego, to see what it, what would it look like if my ego was not having a negative impact? Because I think yesterday, on a different episode, we recorded it yesterday, about a different episode, we talked about ego is not this bad thing necessarily. It can help you in life, and so there's this fine line of: am I aware of ego right now? How is it? being present in my life? Is there a negative to it? Is there a positive? Is it presenting both? But do I have an awareness of its impact on on an honest level with myself?
4: Well, as far as I understand, if a person had zero ego, they are unconscious in a coma. I mean, that's just the physical reality. So ego isn't something that's good or bad. I look at it more like a child. There's things that kids can do out of immaturity that don't make them bad, wrong, or stupid. They just don't know any better. But as we raise them and train them and give them proper guidance and direction, they can become better versions of themselves so that ego matures, becomes more sophisticated, and it can do wonderful things in the world. So I I think we need to love and nurture our egos. And for those of us who want to go out into the world and make a difference, we need to make sure that that ego is following the, the the context of that warrior spirit, that spiritual warrior spirit, am I being as impeccable as I'm capable of being? And I
2: love what you said about the child doesn't know better. I think we need to remember that we're still children, that whether we're 20, 40, 60, 80, we're still child children that know no better. And one of the difficult things is that we beat ourselves up for thinking we should have known better. And not understanding we're still learning. This journey is nonstop learning. And so that doesn't go away as we get older, this idea that I'm going to make mistakes. It's that are we aware of what led to that, right? And so to have awareness to make stronger, better choices going forward, but still we'll have those childlike mistakes.
4: Do you guys remember that that saying the more you know, the more you realize what you don't know? Mm-hmm. When I when I first heard that in my teens, it was like That's just an odd statement. It doesn't make any sense. I'm 66 now. It makes a whole lot more sense.
2: Well, I love like in the landmark education program, they talk about there's what you know, right? Which is if you were on a chalkboard, it'd be like a small circle, right? And there's what you know you don't know. Like I don't know how to fly a plane, right? So that circle is way bigger because there's a lot of things I know I don't know, way bigger. The question is what you don't know you don't know. That's like the entire rest of the board, right? This whole concept. And so, are, are you awakening yourself to the possibility of what you don't know? You don't know, and how it, that could impact your life. Are you open to that? And I think ego plays in that in a massive way. If we think we know what we don't know, you're not even going to have an awareness of what's really happening out there that that you're not even able to see. It's like you're you're blinded uh, by the the impossibility of that vision. Absolutely. I also think
3: there's an interesting twist here, and Darren kind of brought it up about the warrior, about being a warrior versus an action of warrior. I think there's almost the same parallel with ego. It's like if we allow the ego to do what the ego should do versus letting the ego be a actual being part of us, I think it shifts everything. What I mean by that is if if the ego isn't allowed to come to life, okay, so to speak, it doesn't become this cocky, whatever it is, that knows everything or it doesn't know what it doesn't know or does know what it thinks it doesn't know, all these things. But if we allow it to actually be a part of doing, let it be part of the strategic team that does certain things, then the ego truly becomes part of being of service because we're asking the ego help us accomplish things that it does know what to do. But as soon as we release it to become a true, alive, being, breathing part of who we are, that's typically where we get in trouble because then suddenly it has its own legs. It puts on its, you know, in my world, that's when we put on the hills, girls, and we wrap the boas around us, and we're like, okay, ego, let's go. You know, we suddenly take it out of that closet, and it's like we know everything we need, and we're going to show everybody what we need versus saying, ego, take your space, do the things that you're here to do, which is help us function, help us get things done, but keep it in its beautiful Container, so to speak, where it, that's what it does for us.
2: Well, and that's the sentence from that quote earlier, realize that you do not possess basic goodness, but that you are the basic goodness itself. I think that's the root of it right there, because if I'm trying to act with goodness, that's ego. Right, I am trying to look, everyone. I am doing good, right? Or I am doing good to do good versus just do the right thing, right? Just don't don't do it for the purpose of doing good. You are doing it because it's naturally who you are. That's the right thing to do. It's just basic goodness itself. But what that also allows us to do is to maybe allow the negative impact ego can have, and just to be more free of we are, who we are. Because if we truly believe basic goodness is who we are, that we don't have to possess it. It's who we are. We can feel better about ourselves, right? This this judgment of I'm not good enough goes away because I am basic goodness. We're all basic goodness. And it comes from just a more – it's a place of foundation that feels safe and good to to hear and believe and feel.
4: I guess, Mike, I have a hard time wrapping my mind around that, that we are basic goodness. It's like denying one side of the force, Okay, we're only going to deal with this one side. That's who we are, and that's all that is. But the reality is, if there's goodness, there's badness. There has to be a, a, an equilibrium in, in the universal forces. So we each have a balance of goodness and badness, rightness and wrongness, enlightenment, stupidity, however we want to look at that. And and that's where things like the path of the warrior Or am I using the blend of that intelligently, impeccably, so that I can produce good things? I don't know that goodness is just laying in there waiting for me to bring it out and show everybody. It has to do with the way I wield my sword. That's the thing of the warrior. You're going to wield the sword and something's going to happen. Are you being responsible and accountable for what you're setting into motion? That's the warrior mindset.
2: Now that's interesting for me because when I read that, if it had said, but you are pure goodness, I would, I would be on the same page as you. But it says you are the basic goodness itself, which means that doesn't mean you're pure goodness. It means that at your heart and soul, there's good. And that, that means evil will, will be there or bad will be there. But in your heart of soul, good is there. And I guess the way I look at that is they look around the world and people go, look how violent our world is or look at, but actually when they look at the research, we're the most nonviolent world we've ever been right now. And that 90%, 98% of what we run into in the day is positive, right? Uh, you walk into a store, someone says hello. Uh, people open doors, people do this for each other, do that for each other, whether it's actions or they, they say, you know, you sneeze and somebody says, God bless you. Or most of the world is goodness. It's the 2% that the media and that our culture has built itself off. So I think there is, I think there's a possibility there that we do have basic goodness, and yes, there's badness there too, but the basic goodness wants to prevail in us.
4: I like to believe that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just lived in environments where there's people who who lay for people who, who do believe that because they're easy targets. You know, the communities, I remember when I moved to Salt Lake City 18 years ago, nobody locked their door to their homes. They left their keys in the car, and, and I just went, are you people crazy? And they're like, what? This isn't L.A., don't worry about it. And it's like, it will be in, in a short period of time. And sure enough, robbery started happening, cars started getting stolen. Badness is out there, and I think just as much as the goodness. And so the warrior is, okay, are we doing something good with that reality?
2: I love this. Because, see, I would, I would counter that with or challenge that with – how many homes are broken into every night? Is that that example? 0.001%. And so it's still 98% goodness and that we're letting the 2% dictate. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't protect ourselves from the 0.001%, but that there is a basic level of goodness there would be true of just looking at even at crime. There's a basic level of goodness overall.
4: Well, let's, let's take that higher up the food chain. So now we're not talking about breaking into cars or homes. Let's talk about business. How much corruption is there in business? How much corruption is there in education, medicine, religion, politics? You're, you're getting closer to that 50-50. In fact, in some scenarios, I would say it's over the 50% where the, the corruption, the badness, is what's in charge. And people are still walking around going, oh, it's all good. We're fine. It, it, it's going to turn out just the way we wanted it to. Not unless more warriors wake up and go, hey, what could we do to make this situation better?
2: Well, and I agree that the warrior speaking out when bad is happening is key, right? The There's that famous quote about when you stay silent, you know, what you lead to the – how much leads to the problem. That would dealt with the Holocaust or that that the Holocaust that the quote even was created. Here's where I was. it's an interesting viewpoint. And so it would be interesting for Darren to hear what you're thinking on this too and Rick because when I look at corporate world, when I look at mil- – I work with the military all over the world – I, I believe most business people are good people and, and I experience most business people are good people. It, it be, that's what annoys me when I run into one who's not. That's why it's it really bothers me because I believe most are good. and every now and then I run into one who's not. And I do think you're right that at the there are certain worlds where that where that badness or that evil corruption is stronger and more present. Because it allowed to get there because warriors didn't stop it as it was growing. I agree. I just think overall there's so much good there. And I don't know. Maybe we're, maybe I'm off topic. Is this deep to the conversation of what it means to be path of the warriors, how you view the world in goodness and badness?
0: I think part of it, too, related to what we're, we're saying here is I think people have developed or allowed to develop around there a certain level of fear. So, of course, the media amplifies every negative thing. We feed off of one thing or the other that neg- seems negative, and so I, have, I I do agree with Barry there is this sense of i think it 's two things one you know we don 't live in monasteries we 're not monks who meditate all day long, so how do I take these seemingly i 'll call them larger than life principles if it can feel that way to be goodness, to be wholeness, to be fearless, to be peaceful in a world where we're inundated with what seems to be the most negative of comments. And I think the struggle struggle can exist. How then as somebody living in a job and a culture and whether it's considering my car being broken into or whatever, how do I live fearlessly in this idea of this surrender as a warrior, not to fight, but to be. And I think, I don't know this to me that that's where I struggle to be honest is how do I Take this, implement it practically, so that it really makes a difference in service to the world. That's the work, Darren. That's yeah, it. that's that's. I mean, I think we're saying the same thing, and it's it's it is the challenge to take this mindset, not so much, you know, I need to retreat into a private place all the time. Is how do I walk into a world that has a message that says everything else other than being peaceful, being joyful. And I do agree, Mike, there's goodness everywhere. I do agree with that. But how do I then radiate it in a way that permeates my culture, makes a difference, that it is measurable, and I become a peaceful presence?
2: Well, let's dive deep there, because the theme today is living as a warrior. How did, how? What are ways that each of you has found to help you live as a warrior?
3: Well, I think it's interesting, because I think we are in a space and time, and I'm just going to go with, you know things going on in, in our own U.S. political system at this point. I know in my lifetime, even though I, did, I was a young kid in the 60s and I vaguely remember some of that going on, but if you really look at what's going on right now, it is a form of people coming out in their warrior. They're, they're coming out to be of service to the greater good. And even if it is opposing sides right now, If anything, and and I've spent a lot of time trying to wrestle through this in my own mind since our most recent um, election, the most beautiful thing that I see happening at this point is people are stepping out to be who they are, and they're also stepping out to ask others to be more of service in their beliefs and in their standards and what they want for the good of the world. And every one of these fronts, whether we agree or disagree... I see the beauty in this that people have stepped into a warrior mode even though that's not what it's really being called. It is truly everybody's becoming more of a warrior around their beliefs, their desires, what they want. And whether it's a demonstration for women's rights or a demonstration against something, people are actively being warriors right now. And I perceive it as being really good for us as a society.
2: I, I agree. Yeah, it's, I love it that what we're seeing in, in movements coming forward. And I think what's interesting with it is, uh, and obviously those who know our work, like you brought up the example, you know, the women's march and women's movement as a whole. And it's sad we even have to call it women's movement. I think we all agree, agree on that. It should be humanity that we're talking about here. That's where we're at. That it is important to have these conversations. What's interesting about that is if we look at all sides of whatever the issue is, are they coming from the warrior of, I'm going to speak the truth and speak for goodness at the same time being willing to let go of my ego and hear, or do we see more of I'm coming to represent my voice, my movement, but I don't want to hear yours.
4: Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think there's a fair amount of that, but I also feel like in in this thing of maturity and sophistication, you have to go through the steps you got to touch all the bases to make it a home run. You can't skip any. And yep. so for people to, you know, for their heads to pop out of their little butts and go, hey, what's going on? And what do I really think about that? And, you know, what are my ideas and opinions? If I had the magic wand, what would what would I set into motion? At least it's getting a dialogue going. So if someone is all on about, well, I'm for the Democrats or I'm for this or whatever – sooner or later that's going to mature like most movements have to go, well, wait a minute, let's tweak that a little bit. Let's refine that a little bit. And then all of a sudden you have people who in the 60s were radicals and and the women who were burning bras. And now they've become some of society's greatest leaders because they've matured.
2: I think you bring up something brilliant there, which is it is a maturation process for each of us as individuals whether, if you look at the big movement and say that's going to mature, it's interesting. Sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. But each of us as individuals living the warrior life, we, we absolutely can mature on an individual level. That's what allows the movement to mature. I, I ran into the same thing when I first started. It was, you know, sort of yelling and screaming from the mountaintop. Hey, everyone, I'm up. You, how are you not all upset about this? How are you? And that's how it started in, in my own work. How are you not? What can't you see what's going on? Are you blind to this? And then you start to realize, hey, no one, no one likes to be lectured at or yelled at. That that that's getting attention, but it might not be connecting. So then you start to the mature of, hey, have you thought of this? Do have you ever noticed this? And suddenly you get people's attention, and in their own, they're looking in the mirror. And now you're in a different place of maturity. And then you go, all right, what's what's your struggles to helping you get there? And now you're maturing on another level because then they start to go, well, how can you help me get there? And you're in a different place altogether. But you're right. If I didn't ever start by yelling at the mountaintop, top of the mountaintop, I would have never gotten to where I am today because I would have been a quiet voice not saying anything.
4: Look at this dilemma where, where campuses and different venues are saying, no, we're not going to bring in speakers because it might you know, uh, start a fire here. And then you've got people like Bill Maher who, you know, you can think whatever you want about him, but he decided to make a different kind of a statement. He will bring anybody on his show that's willing to come on the show and not beat them up. But have a dialogue, okay, we don't agree on things, but I want to hear more about why do you believe the way you do? Why do you think the world is the way it is? And they discuss it, and I'm like, that's what we need. To me, that's that warrior spirit playing out, like, let's use this opportunity, I've got a a national, international stage, let's use it to show people the conversation is possible.
2: The question becomes, which I think is so important, is we're never really at the warrior, right? It's a matter of recognizing when we're being warrior like or when we're not being willing to be warrior like. What are things that each of you have tried to maybe insert into your life or be create an awareness around your life of for this? Whether it's a, a morning something you do in the morning or during the day or throughout the day or or some kind of retreat you allow yourself to go to to have this awake? What, what do you make present in your life for this to be to happen for your on a soul level?
0: One of the things I do, and it's not so much as in a personal way, retreat-wise, but when I sense a difference in opinion or there's a difference in approach, I've learned to ask questions and then stop to hear them. Because understanding, I think we mentioned it, I think very focused on this is, it's not enough to just go say you believe something and cram it down somebody's throat and expect everyone to appreciate that. There's something magical that happens when you ask questions of differences and listen to the answers. Because what happens at the end of that sentence of the person you're listening to is often, well, well, what do you think? I love this discipline of, you know, coming about this mindset of this warrior as a person who is yet teachable and wants to understand, and is extending himself, and then stops to actually take in whatever's given back. Um, that's one thing that has played in my life, probably more than anything. For me, it's
3: it's also about showing up with, and this is this is a tough one, but showing up and letting go of the the illusion that it's all about winning or losing. That's that the- it's about and I think this ties to what Darren and Barry both have said, it's about being open to hear and, and, and have a dialogue as much as we would all like to quote unquote, win and not lose. If there is no winning or losing, which is a, is an illusion. If there's just understanding, then everything changes. In fact, I remember about a uh, probably a year ago, I was at a, at a PFLAG meeting where I was speaking for parents, families, and friends of lesbians and gays. And I remember this mother who has a transgender child standing up and saying, you know, it's not about understanding. It's about accepting this is my child, plain and simple. You may not understand. You may not be able to understand. You may not be able to completely grasp where someone else is coming from, but if you can just accept this is their reality, this is where they are, and try your best not to put that heavy judgment on that we all try to do. And again, this is the tough stuff, but I think this is where being a warrior really shows up, is being willing to understand and accept someone for where they are and, and move beyond that. doesn't mean you have to embrace it. It doesn't mean you have to, you know, and, and I know there's extremes to this. Like if you're in mortal danger, then there's a whole different conversation here. But at the end of the day, anybody who may have a problem with me being gay, they can have the problem, but the thing is, is they don't have to come crawl in my bed at night with me or live in my home with me. They can have the problem, but they just need to understand that there's something different and I just need to understand that they don't get me. Okay, we're done. But I think this is where the power of the warrior starts to let go of so many of these winning and losing objectives that we put in front of ourselves.
2: I I love the fact that you stress the winning and yeah, so much good stuff. Their acceptance and the letting go of the winning and losing because a lot of us grow up in around sports and other things. It's all about winning, losing, and then you start running a business and it becomes even more about running, winning, and losing uh, because that's how the world teaches about business. Here's how to be a success. You know, here's how to win, and and it's just so hard to to not fall into it. And that's where that awareness of the warrior to say that's not why I'm doing this. It's not why I'm here uh, and to have that awareness. And I love what you said about acceptance. And and this leads to a whole different conversation, but that whole idea of when people go, well, you need to tolerate other people. Now, how about you accept, right? That's a different conversation mm-hmm. to accept, to tolerate means to allow you to exist. But that's all <laughs> like, like yeah, that, yeah. that's the bare yeah, minimum yeah. you get versus to accept differences, right? To, to accept we don't, I love what you said about accepting. We don't understand. Like, that's okay. Not well, to it seems like
4: the acceptance would lead to understanding, but if exactly. you accept, then you're going to have a hard time understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Mike a while back had mentioned that 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 you thought that the word warrior was was associated to Buddhism. Gautama Buddha was born, lived, and died a Hindu. Never once said anything about starting a new religion. He did question the ceremony and the ritual, and sat down one day under a Bodhi tree to contemplate what's going on. I feel like we're missing something. And the stiller he got, the more he had some really nice ideas. So he grabs a buddy and says, Hey, sit down, shut up and, you know, try this and see what happens. They're like, wow, dude, this is good stuff. And out of that, buddhism was born but they weren't trying to start a new religion they were just playing with stillness
2: that's absolutely correct i think what you're referring to is the beginning that was a quote from the book
4: and that's why i say sometimes people who write books right they've they've written more books than they've read or who knows and and this is all stuff that i'm interpreting from everything that i've read but it, it did make sense anyway hundreds of years later Guys like Confucius and Lao Tzu come along and go, okay, when we're sitting deep in meditation and contemplation, the world is nice, we're at peace, everything's good, and then we have to get up and go do life, You know, marriage and parenting and business, and we start losing our center and we want to go back into the the monastery or the cave and, and go back to that stillness. How do we make this work? And that was the birth of Taoism. How do we take the essence of stillness with us and the Pakwa was born or or that symbol, the yin and the yang, that that path is always going to have divergent forces pushing and pulling on us. How do we maintain the stillness while we're going through the course of our day? And so for me, finding that moment of stillness, you know, when my feet hit the floor out of bed and going, okay, it begins
3: right now. How do I wield my sword through this day? I actually talk about this when I'm in. Ironically, when I'm, when I'm on stage talking to students around their coming out or uh, you know, LGBTQ issues, I invite them to go to their warrior within and stand in a space where understanding that your warrior within has one simple role to play. And that role is to determine how you serve. And the two places you determine how you serve is how you serve yourself and how you serve others, both being the outcome of being of greatest impact to the world around you. Mm-hmm. That for me, is the definition of a warrior.
2: Love it. And that's gonna, that's gonna wrap us up. This has been an awesome conversation. I love it when we get a sharing of different understandings to our viewpoints. And we've had that today, that's for sure. So it led to some great conversation. I want to thank each of you for anyone listening right now going, Hey Mike, once again, who are these three brilliant people that you brought on? It's, uh, Barry Moniac, Darren Tipton, Rick Clemens. You can find all three of them on our website, their contact information at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. Until next time, may you enjoy everyday mindfulness. In your life. Three quick reminders. One, please subscribe to the Everyday Mindfulness Show on iTunes. Already subscribed? Then encourage others to join us by inviting them to subscribe to the show. Two, while on iTunes, download all the latest episodes. Three, reviews help more people find out about the show. Would you please go into iTunes and write a review? Doing so helps spread the mission of the show. Thanks.
1: We appreciate you being a part of our vibrant, oftentimes silly, and always vulnerable community. If you have an idea, a thought, want to sponsor the show, or just want to say hi, send us an email at listen at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. And check us out at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. Have a joyful, mindful week.